And good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. What a wonderful dedication. Praise God. Thank you for celebrating that with us. And to those of you at home, uh, good morning. Welcome. We're glad you're with us this morning. Let me tell you a story about my mom. Uh, My mom died once. She actually died twice. She flatlined uh, significantly. They brought her back to life, and then she flatlined again. My mom didn't go to heaven, but she did have an experience where she was above the operating table, and she saw them trying to bring her back to life. And she says that in that moment, she felt like a young child again, watching. She felt renewed and like she had a new body. But they were able eventually to bring her back to life. And one of the things I know, when my mother was resurrected from the dead, is that her life was never the same, that her life was lived in the life of Christ for the rest of her life and up to this day. She's still living empowered by the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Seeing the value of life, the significance of life, receiving all that the Lord has given her for life, resurrected and new life. We see the resurrection story with Lazarus, what it must have been like for him to be resurrected from the dead. One of the things that we know is that the resurrection from the dead was just the beginning. Because from that resurrection point, then became life. And as Lazarus was raised from the dead, as my mother was raised from the dead, it led into proof what Jesus said about himself. I am the resurrection and I am the life. And I pray this morning as we go through 2 Kings 8 that you will see that our God is a God of resurrection and life. Let's pray for that this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your good word. We thank you for 2 Kings and the joy of walking through that together. And as we finish up this morning, I pray each and every one watching at home or here that they will know that you are the resurrection and the life and that you have so much life to give us. I pray that those who've never received your life would open their hearts to receiving you, Savior of the world, the resurrection and the life. Minister to us this morning through your word, in your precious name, amen. Well, as we get into 2 Kings, we're going to see a similar story with a Shunammite woman who, uh, in in 2 Kings chapter 4, we see this whole story where her son is raised from the dead by Elisha. Jackson and Josh brought us and, and mentioned to us that Elisha and the way he lived out his life in obedience to the Lord, very similar in his actions to what Jesus was doing. You'll see a lot of Jesus in Elisha and how he resurrects and how he ministers to people. And we see this resurrection power of God. This young man, the son of the Shunammite woman, restored to life. And this whole chapter that we're looking at, this section this morning, uh, is a resurrection story. I was preparing with Julie as we prepare every week for our teaching time. And I said, Julie, I'm so excited about this story because it's a resurrection story. And she's like, what are you talking about? I don't see it. All I see is evil kings and and the story retold. And you really can't see it. And and the joy of studying the word at length and in depth is you get to see these words that are pulled out. 
And one of the words that's pulled out over and over again in the story is kaya, life, resurrected life, restored life. We see it four times in the beginning verses, and then we see it towards the end of the chapter with Ben-Hadad. He's sick, and he's going, will I be restored? Will I get life? Go and find out. Will I have life? I want to know. Where do I get life? And he cries it out. And at the end of the story, verse 19, even amidst all the evil and the death and the the destruction, all of a sudden, it says, yet God is going to have descendant out of the line of David a promise that there will be a lamp. And guess what? That lamp is Jesus. He is the light of the world. He is the resurrection and the life. And so I want us to see that in the story this morning out of 2 Kings. The young man's life is given back to him. He is resurrected again. But once again, not the end of the story. We have resurrection life. When we put our faith, our hope, our trust, and we say yes to Jesus, guess what, gang? We have resurrected life. Listen to Second uh, Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you and me, we were dead in our transgressions and sin, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, here's the promise, here's what he's done, verse 5. He has made us alive, resurrected us with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, we were dead in our sin. God has raised us up. And it is by grace that you have been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ. Guess where we are? We are seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's our home. That's our real home. We are placed in Christ, Christ in us. We are resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, just like Christ was raised from the dead on Easter morn. The sinner gets new spiritual life. There's an amen right there. We get new spiritual life resurrected. Listen to Romans 8. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead... If that spirit is living in you, and what he's really saying, and he is, and he is. Since that spirit is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead, listen to this, Romans 8, 11, he will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Get a life. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. You see, there's so much more to Christianity than that one-time decision when we said yes to Jesus. There's so many in this world who just said, well, I said yes to Jesus because I wanted fire insurance. I just basically, I didn't want to go to hell. And so I got the insurance. And the Lord said, oh, no, no. I'm glad you're saved. But there's so much more to life. You see, I'm the resurrection Don't miss the other part. I'm the life. And here's how you have life in me. So when you invite Jesus as your Lord and Savior, again, you have that resurrection. And now we get a life because of his resurrection power, his Holy Spirit who is living in us. 
and enables us to live in his life and what he has for us. Receiving the Savior is only the beginning. If he has come to give us life, an abundant life, John 10.10, that he tells us he has, if he has come indeed to give us life, an abundant life, well, what does getting a life look like? What's he asking of us? What is he having us live out in our lives? And in this story, I think we're going to see where we get life. With a Shunammite woman and her son, and as Elijah ministers. I think one of the first places that we get life is we get life in the presence and the providence of God. What is providence? Providence is simply God's amazing care for his people. God's hand with, he walks with us. God's care for his people. We receive life. And as he's present with us, he lifts us up, he restores us, he renews us. We receive life in his presence and providence. And we're going to see, as we learn to trust in his faithful providence, all that he's going to do. The Shunammite woman listened to Elisha and said, listen, you're going to go to, you need to get out of here. There's going to be a famine. So you need to go for seven years and go to a place that will be good for you. And she ended up in the land of the Philistines with her son. And we think somewhere in this time that her husband died. We don't hear any more from him. So I think you have a woman for most of the time who's a widow and a son, and they're in a foreign land. Go to this land. And we're going to see how God provides for her as she goes to the land of the Philistines. His amazing provision New mercies every morning for seven years. Seven years. A stranger in the land. And here's the thing about God, how we have life. He doesn't just provide for us once. He provides for us over and over again. Why? We're his children. And he is our God. He is faithful in his providence. Let us learn to trust in him. You know what happens is sometimes the Lord will step in. We have a great need and we say, Lord, help me in my need. And he does and he provides and he ministers to you. And then all of a sudden another need comes up down the line. And we sit here and we go, I got to figure this all out. How am I going to do all this and make it work? And God's going, excuse me. Trust in my providence and my care for you. I did it before. I provided for you and I'm going to do it again. Are we a people who are learning and receiving life as we're learning to trust in the providence of the Lord, his care for us, waiting upon him? She goes off, and in this story, one of the things that that is proved, God is faithful over and over again. God reveals his character in this story to the Shunammite woman. He shows that he has an incredible heart for the widow and the stranger and the foreigner. He shows his love for the homeless and the husbandless and the fatherless. God's heart for his people. And I think he speaks to this woman and her child. You're not an outcast, even though you're in the land of the Philistines. You're not an outcast. You're not unknown. You are known and you are deeply loved 
by me, God is saying. You are known and deeply loved, and you can trust in my faithful providence. The other thing we can see in God's providence is his providence and timing. He has perfect, perfect time. Isn't it amazing in this story? Here the woman shows up at the palace of the king to get an audience with the king. And right in the middle of that is what's happening. Gehazi, the servant of the king, he is speaking about this woman right at the same moment she shows up. Coincidence? I think not. No, God's timing, his providence and his timing is perfect. And he shows up and he's speaking about the woman through Gehazi. And Gehazi is able to share all the things that, about this woman who is showing up into his presence. God's providence and his timing. We struggle with God's timing, don't we? We can't figure him out. We think he's asleep sometimes. Is he going to show up? Doesn't he know I don't have a food, have, have meal today? How am I going to get food for my family? I've lost my job. Doesn't he know that we need funds to pay rent? Rent is due tomorrow. Doesn't he know? Oh, he knows. Not only does he know, he cares. And trust him for his faithful provision. And you and I have seen over and over again where God provides. You know, my good friend was reminding me of uh, the fact that God restores lost time, that we would say is lost time. Like, like Joel speaks in Joel 2. It says, I will repay you, God says, for the years the locusts have eaten, those lost years. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My dear friend was, was telling his story, saying, you know what, Rod? Uh, a while ago, I made a decision I was kind of struggling in my job. I had a really good job. It was a high-paying job, but I was just discouraged in it, in my work. I'd been there a long time, and I was just kind of frustrated, and they offered a, a package to retire early, and I just took it. So I took it, and I really wasn't talking to the Lord about these things. I just took it. And then next thing you know, I decided to invest a bunch of money in this, in this deal that I thought was going to be good. And I lost a lot, a lot of money. Again, I didn't check in with the Lord in any of that. And I lost a lot of money. And they were lost years. It's like, Lord, what are you doing here? What is going on? And they weren't years that were taken from him. It was kind of like I made these choices that really just weren't wise choices. And God was working on him in all of that. And the year that he invested that money, guess what year that was? That was right during 2007, 2008. And so he's really in a place of just going, Lord, what is going on? I feel foolish, self-inflicted loss. And then he writes the end of the story. He goes, Rod, did God restore those hard lost years for me? Absolutely. Not with material restoration, but with something much, much more valuable and precious. Spiritual restoration. Life in Jesus, I have a much deeper relationship with Jesus than I ever had before. Those lost years. We live in a pandemic. God will restore these lost years 
with his presence, his providence. He will redeem and restore. Ecclesiastes 3, he has made everything beautiful in its time. God's timing is perfect. God has not lost control of time and what's going on. He cares. He knows. And I want to tell you something very clearly. God has not lost his watch. He knows what's going on. In his perfect time, he makes all things beautiful. Let him do that. Trust in his providence and his care for you. And the last thing we see in providence in this area with the woman is abundant providence. She comes in, she gets an audience with a king, and because of that, she has providence, his care for her. Do you realize as children of God, do you realize that you get to walk right in and have an audience with the king of kings? Do you realize that? God has opened that door for you. Every time we pray, we come into the presence of the king and make our request and give him praise. We get an audience with the king, the real king. She comes in and she's asking for justice. What would happen with the land is this. If you were to leave your land, and she did for seven years, if you were to leave your land and you come back, what is just is that the person would give you back your land. And we think in this case the king actually received the land when she left. And it would be appropriate to give back the land. It would be returned to her. But here's the deal. When you come back, you have to prove who you are. Now, what's the deal with her? Her husband is dead. He's nowhere in the picture. You know where women would get their identity at that time? From their husband. Who's going to identify her that this is her land? She has nobody. And what does God do? Gehazi is right there. Hey, what do you know? The woman I've been talking to you about, that's her. I'll be her witness. I'll testify that this is who she is. And because he is a witness to who she is, we see this beautiful, abundant provision for her. Look at, listen to what the king does. Gehazi says, this is the one where Elisha restored her son to life. Again, it's a resurrection story. Then the king asked the woman about it. She told him the whole resurrection story. And then the king says this in verse 6. Give back, restore everything that belonged to her. Now listen to this. Including all the income from her land from the day she left the country until now. The king went way beyond what was required. What was required was, I'll give you back the land. Not all the proceeds from the land for all those years. Do you get it? Do you get where we have life? Do you get how the Lord loves to just give us abundance in his life? Not in material stuff. In his life in you. And he restored her. And he restored her abundantly. A banquet table was set out before her. Bless her with all these things. It went beyond. And not only that, he restored her to her land. That's always been God's promise. I will restore you to your land. You have a home in me. Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. The history of First and Second Kings is 
Jackson and Josh brought to us. It was written during a time when the Israelites were in exile. So to receive these scriptures about these stories of the Shunammite woman and her son and the land being restored, that would give hope. My goodness, God is restoring things. God, after seven years, is restoring things. So for the people in exile, it was hopeful redemption and restoration. It was a story of the exodus. They have gone away. She has gone to the land of the Philistines. She has been in exodus for seven years, and now she is returning. And God has a place for her. The foreigner, the stranger, the one who is in the land of the Philistines. You have a home. It would encourage those in exile. Oh my goodness, the Lord loves us and cares and knows that we are in exile. Jesus Christ makes a similar promise to anyone who would take residence with him. Anyone who would receive him as Lord and Savior. This is what it looks like for our home, John 14. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father, listen to this, my father will love them. And here's the promise. We will come to them and we will make our home with them. Do you understand that? When we receive Christ, Christ in us and us in In Christ, we have a home. Make yourselves at home in Christ. And he takes up residence in us and dwells in our lives. And now we live out the life of Christ through us. There is a home for the believer. It's real living. And so get a life. God calls it to us. He wants us to enjoy it. We're never homeless again. Listen to 1 Peter 1.4. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth, that's resurrection, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And where does that resurrection lead? It leads into an, an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade This inheritance is kept in for you in heaven. This is our home, not this planet. We're aliens passing through. God, amen. I want to hear more of those. Amen. That's good news. God is bringing us out of Exodus and into our home. He cares. He gives us life through it. This is really living. Life comes through God's presence and his providence. And the other thing I see in this chapter is life comes from obedience. The Shunammite woman was a woman of obedience. You see, after her son was raised from the dead, resurrection, then all of a sudden she learned to live in the life. And part of that life came through obedience. Elijah says, listen, you need to go to the land for seven years. Can I mean, you probably can't even, I can't grasp, you can't grasp how difficult that must have been for her. Wait a sec, chapter four, she says this, when Elijah's like, hey, I'd love to bless you. She's like, no, I don't really have any need. And actually she says, everything I have is here. Everything from this land, the people, these are my people. 
This is where all my provision comes from. This is where everything, this is where life is to be found, is here. Elijah says, you need to go. And so she goes in obedience for seven years. Seven is that that complete number, wholeness. She goes for seven years, and what happens is, as she goes for seven years, she learns utter dependence on God. Everything in her land was like, I get my my provision from here. And now it's like, I have nowhere to have provision, only but God. And he's meeting my needs here. I am receiving life from the Lord, even in my exile, even in my awayness from the Lord or from my land. She has new life. The Shunammite woman, what she did is she listened to the word of God through Elisha. And then what she do? She went and she waited. She went and she waited. How are you on waiting for the Lord? How's that going for you in your Christian journey? Listen to Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits for his word. In his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman wait for the morning. Put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, here's the promise, is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Have you learned to wait upon the Lord? Today, at your Super Bowl, wherever you're at in your gatherings, I want you to ask each other, where is the Lord asking you to wait? Or where have you seen the Lord provide for you in the midst of your waiting and drawing you back in? Seven years, he's done his complete work. Now he's calling you back into the land, giving you life. And her life came through obedience. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Remain in the vine. That's where life's at, John 15. She does that. I have some dear friends. They just moved over here from England. And as they moved over here, came across the pond, so to speak, here's one thing they knew where they were obedient to the Lord. They knew that God was calling them to Boise, Idaho, of all places, along with all the rest of the world, right? It seems like at this moment. They knew that they were supposed to come to Boise, Idaho. That's all they knew. That's all they heard from the the Lord. Amen. Amen. Good place to be. Don't tell anybody that. But here's what happened. So I called them up to go to lunch the other day. I said, hey, let's get together and go to lunch. And the husband says to me, hey, Rod, you know, thanks for the invitation, but not, not today. Because my wife and I, we're just going to spend the whole day just praying and waiting on the Lord. Because we don't know what he wants us to do here. We don't know what he wants us to do. We just know he called us here. And so now we wait. You see, they're not trying to just dive right in. They're not living frantically and anxious. Oh, my gosh, what's next? No, they're just waiting. Man, what a great example to me. And in their waiting, they are finding life. In their obedience to the Lord, they are finding life. And God's preparing already good works for them to step into in his beautiful time. That's what it means to wait upon the Lord. You find life in obedience. I see in this story, too, that when we find life, we become a people who become full of witness. Gehazi becomes the witness. He becomes like the apostles 
who went out and they saw the resurrection and they can't shut up about it. Gehazi's the one before the king to be a witness of the life. Now here's the deal. Do you remember Gehazi? Do you remember what he was all about? Gehazi was with Elisha. He was serving with Elisha. Spiritual things and oversight and leadership. But he ended up lying and stealing and he became just a really bad dude. Made bad choices. And so what happened is, Elisha curses him. And remember, he ends up with leprosy. That's Gehazi. And now we see him before the king. I think God touched Gehazi's heart. I think God healed Gehazi with his amazing grace of the leprosy. And then he placed them before the king to bear witness about the resurrection and the life that he experienced. And let me tell you, and let me bear witness all the things that God has done through Elijah with this dear woman and her son who was dead, and now again, over and over again, over eight times, we see. Resurrected. He was restored. He was renewed. He was given new life. He was called back to life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is doing this amazing work, I think, with Gehazi. Heals him of his leprosy, puts him in the service of the king, And now he's a witness. And that's what happens when we receive Jesus Christ and we are transformed. We become new creations. We become children of God. We are resurrected out of our death of sin and given new life. We can't help, I hope, but shut up, not shut up about it. Amen Amen again. Keep this guy around. Let's get going. Amen. Amen. Those who know God's resurrection, are called to a life of faithful witness. Hey, the king is saying, Gehazi, tell me about the things you've seen. And when someone asks you about the hope that you have, when someone asks you about the hope that you have, be prepared to give them an answer. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God for the resurrection, the salvation of all men. Gehazi gives witness, 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 testifies. And we are called to be witnesses. And so the question for all of us is, where are you a witness? How is God using you to be a witness? I want you to ask that question during the Super Bowl today too. Hey, where has God used you to be a witness? Or is God preparing some plans? What should we be praying about so that we can be a witness of all that God has done in my life and all that we're seeing God do? And that you can have salvation in Jesus Christ when you believe upon his name and receive him as your Lord and Savior. We are called, Acts 1.8, and when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, he shall come upon you. Same Holy Spirit with the disciples. Guess what, gang? Same Holy Spirit with us. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive him and you shall be my witnesses. Do you understand who we are as children of God? We shall be his witnesses. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're not doing this in our own strength. We're just testifying all that God has done in our lives and all that we're seeing him do. And we're letting people know you can have life. 
So let's be a witness as we get a life. You know the other thing that I love about this Gehazi and the other thing the story shows to me is that Gehazi is a great encouragement for all of us who've ever failed in life. Again, he was a spiritual leader. Totally blew it. Totally blew it. And it seems to me that God restored him to a place of service before the king. God hasn't given up on you or me when we mess up. And guess what? We do it a lot. Paul keeps saying, why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do I don't do? I'm messing up a lot. And yet God keeps using him and he keeps using you and me. I love this story. The man with leprosy is now being used to give testimony and being used to bring a witness to who this woman is, her identity and her value. He's being used powerfully. It's not the same role. I think he lost his spiritual leadership role. But he's used in an amazing role before the king. God does a wonderful work. You know, most of God's amazing work is done by former failures. Do you realize that? All throughout the scriptures. Show me someone in scriptures who didn't fail that God used. They all failed. Right? And you and I do as well. And here's the deal as children of God. We live in the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior. He is quick to forgive. And as we come and we repent before the Lord, he restores us, he forgives us, he washes us white as new, he gives us new life. Now go and sin no more, dear woman. I've given you new life. That's what the Lord does. He restores the broken, and now we can live full life. And the last thing I see in this story is that we are going to end up, when we get life, we end up with a life worshiping the true king, Jesus. From this point forward in this passage, what happens is, is we see all this evil going on. The kings were evil, evil, married evil people. They did evil. It was awful. And to Ben-Hadad, who's looking for life, he's saying, will I be restored? Will I be given life? Will I have life? And there's one answer which is interesting to me in verse 10. He said, yeah, you'll be restored. You'll be given to life, but you're going to die. And all that does is lead me to wonder if God got a hold of Ben-Hadad's heart. You will be given life, but you shall die. The scriptures say, even though your mortal bodies die, you shall live. Only God knows his heart. But honestly, we don't know the answer with Ben-Hadad. But it makes you wonder. Because God's a God of raising dead things. So I can only imagine he never stopped pursuing Ben-Hadad in his heart. You shall surely have light. So in the middle of all this evil, verse 18, Jehoram did evil in the eyes of the Lord. But verse 19, Nevertheless, for the sake of his servant David, the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah. Listen, he had promised to maintain a lamp, a light for David and his descendants. And out of the line of David, the line of David, Jesus declares... I am, I am the light of the world. You see, in all of this story of kings, evil does not win. Evil does not win. Death does not win. Life wins. 
So we don't put our hope in earthly kings. We don't put our hope in worldly things. We put our hope in Jesus. He's the one who restores all things. He is the resurrection and the life. And so get a life in him. And it's only found by worshiping the true king, Jesus.